New research finds community-controlled First Nations schools support self-determination and improve education outcomes and overall well-being for Indigenous young people. Many First Nations-led schools were established in the 70s and 80s, following a long history of insufficient government-mandated education, forced attendance and exclusion. To learn more about community-controlled schools in Australia, I spoke to Project co-author Samara Hand, Waramai Birupai and a Wabakal woman, and PhD candidate at the University of New South Wales. Essentially what it's about is the community having greater control over education. So they would decide what the curriculum looks like, so what students are learning in school. And that's probably one of the most kind of fundamental parts of it. And then also like the kind of governance, so like the running the school. So how does that work? Is it um, a principal that's then kind of overseen by a board um, or like a council of community members? And that, you know, that could be made up of a mixture of parents as well as well as elders, for example. But it, so it's control over, I guess, the decisions and, and then what's being taught in school at the end of the day and also the language that it's being taught in. In terms of curriculum-wise or maybe specific things that are taught in schools, how would this differ to something that's offered in, I'm going to say, normal school, for lack of a better term? It would differ in the sense that um, the school would have more freedom to follow a different kind of curriculum. So the curriculum might be more like land-based, for example, so there might be a lot more learning on country, centred around country, where um, you know, what would be traditionally science lessons that are happening in a lab, for example, or you're looking at textbooks in a traditional classroom are actually happening out on country. And there have been examples of that already in like the Northern Territory. Um, it might also be like a bilingual um, education program, the actual curriculum itself. And this is where there's a little bit more limitation because schools in Australia at the moment, even where there's, um, I guess, an independent school set up, they are still required to follow like the state curriculum. But I guess an even higher level of self-determination would be, okay, we don't need to say, oh, this is English and this is the math lesson. You'd still still work towards those learning outcomes. You still want to develop literacy and numeracy skills, but you would do it in a more holistic way because Indigenous knowledge doesn't fit neatly into those disciplinary boundaries because, I mean, that's just kind of the Western model of like knowledge and education where you have very distinct kind of classes of English, math, science, et cetera. And what are some of the better outcomes for First Nations students in these schools and and why have you seen such success in this model compared to a, a mainstream schooling? So some of the outcomes are like improved attendance rates. That's kind of one of the first noticeable outcomes. So students coming to school more because they want to be there. Improved literacy and numeracy outcomes because students are more engaged in, in the learning process. And then what we're seeing here in Canada where community control of education has kind of been allowed to go on for longer because of just a different policy environment here. You're also seeing improved graduation rates um, in the long term. And then also, I think what's potentially um, sometimes overlooked, because of course, you know, graduation attendance and learning outcomes are important, but also students actually just having better well-being outcomes. They're enjoying being at school more. They're actually enjoying like the learning that's taking place and feeling more self-confidence. Uh, Indigenous students can struggle with in a mainstream school is because they don't feel like they're seen in the curriculum or that their culture is seen in the curriculum and shared, they can feel a sense of isolation. They feel a greater sense of pride then when the education is reflecting their culture. Educational exclusion or I guess the education gap that exists, Mm -hmm. you know, to this day, what what does a First Nations-led school 
or how does how does that kind of move in the direction of, of closing those gaps? I think a lot of the attempts around closing the gap that we've seen from the kind of formal closing the gap policies are really just focused on getting students to school. So they've really focused on those attendance outcomes and then, of course, the graduation outcomes. And I think to a lesser extent, and not to say there hasn't been any attempt, but to a lesser extent, the focus has been on actually making education culturally appropriate. And I think that's really important in terms of achieving self-determination. One of the things education is really valued for is empowering people, you know, empowering you with the skills and knowledge to kind of lead a better life. But if the actual process of education is not empowering, so if Indigenous people aren't able to control their education and have a greater say in it, um, when it's happening on their own country, then we can't really be expecting these empowering arc outcomes to follow then. There's, there is a limit, of course, to how far a mainstream school can go into, can do that because a mainstream school is catering to not just Indigenous students, but also non-Indigenous students. In terms of actual kind of implementation of something like this, like you mentioned, the Australian schools, all Australian schools still have to cater to a curriculum to get this approved or enacted on kind of a, a bigger scale? Is there some kind of process with with government? You know, with each kind of Indigenous nation or um, Indigenous community, it really depends um, how they want to go about it. So the MK Turner report has a few recommendations in there. At some level, it would probably involve some sort of legislation change. So enacting a law or slightly tweaking current education laws that allow um, Indigenous communities to then establish their own schools that gives them the freedom to modify the curriculum or to, or to develop their, their own curriculum entirely. Basically, there's not a one-size-fits-all rule of how this would be implemented, um, but it, from, it definitely requires the government kind of coming to the table to support it and making some sort of change to the law and policy. That was Samara Hand, Waramai, Birupai and a Wabakal woman and UNSW researcher ending that report.